Welcome to Next Steps, a podcast from Blackhawk Church in Madison, Wisconsin, where together we'll take next steps to grow in our relationship with Christ, to be formed into the kind of people He's created us to be, and to better love and serve those around us. Let's jump in. Well, welcome to the Next Steps podcast. My name is Chris Kopp. I'm the pastor of Blackhawk Braider Way. And with me is my faithful co-host, Pastor Tiffany Malloy, the pastor of spiritual formation at Blackhawk. How are you doing, Tiffany? Hi, good. Awesome. Uh, if you listened last week, we, uh, we're back at it, feeling a little bit better, feeling, better. feeling a little bit healthier. I slept last night and I feel like a new person. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Also joining us are Will and Hannah Bussey. We'll tell you more about them in just a moment. But as I look out the window right now. It is beautiful outside. It's been an incredible couple weeks or so uh, enjoying some warm Wisconsin fall. So yeah, what have you guys been doing to kind of get out and enjoy and anything you guys have been up to lately? Well, a couple weekends ago, we rode the Elroy Sparta bike trail with our kiddos, and that was awesome. I don't know if you guys know anything about that, but it's about an hour and a half northwest of where we are here in Madison. And you get to like... um, you get to like walk through these old train tunnels as part of that. Mm. You like get off your bike and walk through the train tunnels and then continue your bike on the other side. Anyways, oh, super fun. really gorgeous. Definitely recommend. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, Chris, actually, I ran to your hometown this what? past week. What? Mm. I was over by uh, Governor Nelson State Park. Mm. And so I just started running north. And before I knew it, I was in Wanakee, so wow, yeah. really, really nice uh, area for running there. You guys got some nice bike paths. Yeah, so. it's known as the Peaceful Valley, but sometimes that valley smells a little bit. So how how was the, the fragrance I didn't get of any Wanakee? Of the smells. So All right, I there you go. Enjoy that. Yeah, well, sorry for anyone that that, uh, that lives in Wanakee. An uh, aside that I didn't anticipate talking about on this episode, but uh, so I obviously grew up in Wanakee, and then I brought like some college friends back when I was in college to visit my hometown, and they're like, dude, your hometown smells like all of the like smells from the surrounding farms are like wafting down into the valley and like <laughs> i never knew it i just kind of like grew up in there so again apologies to our uh, our faithful wanakee attenders at a time blackhawk mm-hmm. church wanakee is great so um anyway yeah tiffany what about what about you oh so okay here's the thing i am indoorsy and but i do enjoy a nice fall day but I've been really sick. And so honestly, I was oh, just inside all weekend long, which is probably horrible. But my kids, they're jumping on the trampoline and riding bikes. And so they enjoyed it. But um, nice. that's truth. So Yeah, same here. We're like, no, stop running. You're going to start coughing totally. or something like that. Yeah. So it was hard to, to look out and see oh, how gosh. beautiful it was and not be able to enjoy it. But um, looks like this week will be nice as well. Um, well, this past Sunday, Pastor Chris talked about how creation has been damaged as a result of the fall and sin. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that or to watch that, go back. Um, great message. So go go and check that out. Um, but he talked about really how part of our call as Christ followers is to care for creation, um, something we don't often talk about in, in churches. Uh, I think it's the first time I'd ever heard a message on this topic. Um, so we're going to dig more into that a bit today in this episode. Not necessarily the science of that. Um, we're not experts on the science, though you can find more resources on our resources page. We'll probably talk about it a little bit and how it relates to some of our stories. But um, but today we're really going to focus on talking with uh, Will and Hannah about how their family has engaged with this topic and taken active steps to care for creation. So today we welcome Hannah and Will Bussey to the podcast. Hannah, of course, is our director of Worship Arts here at Blackhawk Church, and her husband, Will, is a physical therapist here in Madison. So 
welcome you guys. How, how have you and your family has been doing um, so far this fall? Uh, maybe speak a little bit to that, but we'd just love to hear a little bit about yourselves and your, your family and what you do and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, thanks. So, um, yeah, so me and Will are here. We've been married for uh, 15 years now. We celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary in May. And I've also been on staff with our worship arts staff for 15 years. So it's been a big anniversary <laughs> year for me. Um, yeah, before before I worked at Blackhawk, I was a student at UW. And Blackhawk was my church when I was a college student. And before that, I grew up in the Milwaukee area. So I've kind of been a Wisconsin girl uh, my whole life and, and still am uh, at heart. So yeah, but Will and I, like I said, have been married for 15 years. Um, we met in 2005 while he and I were both interning with a church in Nairobi, Kenya. So that's kind of a fun part <laughs> of our story is that even though we're both from the Midwest, that we actually met uh, over in Kenya uh, that so summer fun. of 2005. So Right. Yeah. And so I've been in Madison since we got married and uh, we have three daughters who are nine, six, and the oldest is now 11. So we're just crossing over into middle school. Mm -hmm. So kind of new territory for us there. <laughs> Welcome. And uh, yeah. So uh, so yeah, life, life is full with uh, activities and uh, it's quite loud at our house. I'd say the <laughs> average decibel level is a lot higher than I would prefer, but it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, well, so people are maybe wondering, like, all right, uh, why why are we having you guys in to talk about um, some of this caring for creation stuff and and that kind of thing? But you guys have kind of a unique story um, of how you interact with this topic. So could you just share a little bit of how you began to be more aware about this topic of creation care and kind of how that started for you guys? For me. I think I was influenced a lot by some experiences I had living abroad. Uh, when I was a high school student, I lived in Germany as a Rotary Exchange student. And so I spent my junior year of high school in uh, Dortmund, Germany. And so I think there were some just little things uh, about living there uh, in terms of being in a culture that was a little more uh, sustainably oriented uh, that, that just kind of rubbed off on me. Uh, I can remember when I first moved there and one of my first walks through the neighborhood, just seeing all these large containers where people like sorted their recyclables and they even had like compost bins and it, you know, there were flies buzzing around the compost bins and stuff. And it just seemed, it seemed really different and, and kind of strange, but, uh, but yeah, I think the lifestyle there was different. And some of those, uh, those values of, of just being uh, more sustainably oriented uh, kind of rubbed off on me. Uh, and then in addition to that, I also uh, lived, like Hannah mentioned, uh, in, this was in my mid-20s. I lived in Kenya for a year. And so I lived in a, a re really large city in Nairobi. Uh, but I also had a lot of opportunities to travel outside the city to some more rural areas. And uh, one experience that stands out in my mind was uh, a time that I got to visit this, this friend I had made. His name was Brother Julius. And he served uh, in this Catholic order of, uh, they were called the Brothers of St. Joseph. And uh, his ministry was serving people living with HIV and AIDS. Mm -hmm. And so I got to uh, go out and stay with him a couple days and just see uh, the work he did. And, and then also the, the people he served. And, and a lot of them were really affected by uh, droughts. And so I think being in these people's homes and just seeing their faces, hearing their stories, uh, really made some of the impacts that we see 
uh, related to uh, environmental degradation, it just made it more real for me. And so uh, made it to be something that I think I, uh, you know, cared about and was more personally meaningful. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess if I'm thinking about my story about like creation care, to be honest, it's not something that I've always probably cared about very much or related to um for a lot of my younger years especially I would say like maybe I've thought of it as something that like is more for tree huggers or like <laughs> sciencey people and science was like my worst subject in school so, <laughs> so I understand that like yeah creation care I'm totally like wired to be a creation care person I'm probably more like sit inside with a book type of person <laughs> just naturally but um but I would say, like, as I look back at even my early life, that I've had a lot of uh, experiences of, like, sensing God's presence when out in nature mm-hmm. and uh, in the middle of natural beauty and, like, maybe experiencing God in kind of a unique way mm-hmm. uh, in when, when I'm, like, in the midst of creation. Mm-hmm. So, like, one of my earliest memories of feeling like I sensed God um, speaking to me, not audibly speaking to me, but just kind of sensed God impressing something on my heart was when I was in middle school on a camping trip at Devil's Lake State Park. And to me, like the experience of feeling God speak like these kind words of love to my heart is kind of inextricably linked with looking up at those beautiful hills at Devil's Lake. Mm. And like, to me, that's the visual behind that Mm. prayer is just the being out in that beautiful environment and experience experiencing God. And then as I think back over like places that I've been privileged to be able to travel, like the Pacific Ocean or the Grand Canyon or the Rocky Mountains, like um, I think for me, the sense of like um, God's majesty and God's grandeur and just um, like his splendor and his power, like it's hard to it's hard to have a parallel to what you can experience when you're in the creation and just mm-hmm. the way that that naturally prompts you to worship God and s- experience God in a, in a different way. So I think even prior to like putting the label on myself as somebody who cared about creation care, that creation was an important part of my mm-hmm. experience of God, mm-hmm. um, even from growing up. So, but I would say as I got older and started learning more, especially in the past um, probably 10 or so years about some of the really concerning things going on environmentally, um, that creation care has taken on like an entirely new significance and weight for me personally and in my relationship with God and what I think discipleship looks like. Mm, Yeah. That's really interesting. You guys, I think, um, probably most people that I've met that like deeply care about this topic, um, it often starts with like reading something and like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Whether they read something in, you know, a, a newspaper article or a scientific um, journal or something like that. Um, for you guys and for Will, you in particular, like you actually experienced kind of being with people who are on the front lines of experiencing some of the ramifications of these things and just seeing how it affected their lives and that kind of thing, which I think is is really interesting. What was kind of the next step in the process for you? Did that kind of spur you to go and kind of learn more about certain things related to this topic? Or what did you do as you left Kenya, having experienced some of those different sorts of things? What, what was kind of the next step in the process? Yeah, you know, it was it was a pretty gradual concern. I wouldn't say it was something that I instantly started caring a lot more about after that. 
but I think it, uh, that experience in particular in Kenya just planted some seeds that, that just grew slowly over time. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, certainly developed to, uh, once having kids to, I think some of those things started feeling more personal and closer to home. And, um, and that process just kind of went together with learning more too, and, and being more concerned over time. Yeah. 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 Uh, I want to hear more about some of those things. So as we kind of turn toward today's topic, and again, none of us in the room are claiming to be scientific experts on this topic. Um, Though I know that probably all of us around this table, we've studied this to some degree and we care about it. Um, But Hannah and Will, as you think about the message from Sunday and what Chris talked about, how creation has been damaged due to the fall and sin, what are some of what are some of those issues or, or ways creation has been damaged that you guys have been particularly impacted by or that have really kind of grabbed your your heart as you've learned more about it? Yeah, I'd say probably for both of us, the single biggest thing that has been impactful for us is the climate crisis that we're in globally right now and learning more about that. Um, mm-hmm. That's been uh, a really big deal for us. Uh, especially as we've learned more about it in the past several years. So I remember for me, it was actually, um, so Professor Rick Lindroth, who is a black hawker um, and, you know, was a professor of ecology at the university for many years. He gave a talk on climate change at a science and faith conference that Black Hawk had had years ago. And I remember, um, I think it was in 2017, watching a video of that talk and just uh, being so... Um, it just hit me really hard. Like, oh my gosh, this is real. Oh my gosh, we need to take this seriously. And um, it just hit me really hard. I think it was kind of one of those moments where like all the pieces came together and I felt like the scales fell from my eyes and it was like I was seeing this issue in an entirely new light or maybe even responding emotionally or spiritually in a way I'd never responded to it before. Mm. Um, I felt like it for me, it was a realization of, oh my goodness, this is happening. It's not just about polar bears in the Arctic. This is like about like all of human life and all of the natural world and the fact that the way that um, humans are living is actually like causing this, you know, uh, and the the sense of like interconnectedness, right? Like the decisions that we make, the the way that we live actually really does influence the natural world and the creation in ways that can be really devastating, um, that our actions really do matter. And whether we become disciples <laughs> and followers of Jesus in this area of caring for creation or not really, really matters. Mm. It really makes a difference. And, um, and I was starting to realize, oh my goodness, I have not been taking this Seriously, it just hit me really hard. And I think even as a mom, Will talked about this, but thinking about my kids and what's, what are the realities going to be of the world that they live in? You know, what kind of a, what kind of environment are they going to live in? Or what are the ways this is going to impact human society? I mean, it's just so far reaching, right? Um, So it hit me really heavily. To be honest, I, it kind of took me through a season of anxiety and grief and having to process a lot of the thing, a lot of things with the Lord, um, and learning more about the practice of lament mm-hmm. spiritually, because I definitely had to spend some time lamenting what I was learning about and then brought about this really deep desire to like, um, repent, I'd say to like make some real 
changes in the way I was living, the way I was approaching things and um, and even to like, what does it look like to repent as part of a collective group of people? Mm-hmm. You know, not just this is a result of my Hannah, Hannah and Bussy didn't mm-hmm. cause climate change individually, right? I'm part of a part of a group, part of a culture, part of a society and a generation of people who are all together making these decisions. So what does it look like to lament and repent for your generation or for mm-hmm. your country or for your um, that, that type of thing? So it took me into some pretty deep waters um, at that time too. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I would I would say very similar for me. It was I think uh, for me personally, it's just been associated uh, with some pretty heavy feelings of feeling a lot of grief, uh, a lot of sadness, and just carrying that uh, as as I've uh, learned more about the issue. And and I think one thing that's particularly troubling about uh, this issue because I think we can look at any number of issues around the planet where uh, you know. Lots of people are affected and lots of people suffer because of uh, of sin and because of, you know, the ways that uh, this world is just not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, but I think this issue in particular is, is so tragic because it's it's already affected uh, so many people who are already vulnerable and poor. And these also happen to people uh, who cause the problem the least. They've contributed mm-hmm. to the problem sure. the least, and yet they're being the most affected mm-hmm. by it. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what's especially troubling about it uh, to me. So well, I, as I hear you guys talking, man, I even feel the weight, right? You feel the weight of the problem. You, f- you feel the weight um, of the consequences. So how do you, as you guys deal with this in your kind of normal lives, what, what moves you from feelings of that weight of maybe even despair sometimes um, to hope? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, it's a it's a great question because I think naturally that's where I go is is heavy feelings and I think that's that's normal and, and appropriate. But I I do think that that is not uh, that's not the response God wants us to have at least not not uh, not all of it. Uh, I think of uh, what Paul wrote in Second Timothy uh, where he writes, you know, for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self control. And for me, I think part of what helps me move beyond the fear is uh, kind of uh, what Pastor Chris Dolson talked about in his sermon on Sunday, talking about uh, this more distal hope we have about how ultimately all things are going to be restored. Uh, We're not just, you know, like souls going off to heaven someday and, you know, the the earth doesn't matter. Actually, the entire creation is going to be uh, restored and renewed. Uh, and so I think reminding myself of that and kind of reorienting myself to that reality does give me hope for today. Mm-hmm. It helps me kind of, again, remind myself of what's true about where this earth is headed ultimately. At the same time, I would say for the meanwhile, the more like, so what about today though? Because there's still a certain amount of heaviness in terms of like, so what is yeah. what does it mean for now though, until then? And I think the thing that uh, really gives me a lot of comfort is uh, just the reminder throughout scripture about how God has promised to be with us mm-hmm. uh, no matter what. Yeah. And so there, you, you know, you can take a lot of uh, stories from the Bible and take that. But uh, for me, Psalm 23 is especially comforting that, uh, you know, that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil uh, because you are with me. And so I think that 
has been something that I've held with me and meditated on a lot because it's, again, it doesn't mean that we won't walk through a dark valley. It just means that when we do, God's going to be with us. And so I think in a very real way, that just, uh, it just uh, reminds me of God's uh, total competence, God's total faithfulness and sufficiency mm. uh, to be with me, to be with us, with our kids, with any, you know, anybody we love and, uh, and care about that uh, God is, is going to take care of every one of our needs. And so we really don't have mm. to be scared or live in fear. Yeah. It really does start to take you into some of those deep faith waters, though, and make mm. you realize, what am I actually putting my mm. hope in? Like, am I putting my hope in the fact that 20 years from now, life is going to look the same and be as stable as it does right now for mm. me? You know, mm. am I putting my hope in kind of this? I guess you, you use talk, you use the term sunny, like pros, proximal or distal hope. Like, am I putting my hope in that proximal hope of like, my life will go well, um, hard things won't happen. Um, I can always rely that I'll be stable or that type of a thing in yeah. this in this world. And I, I guess none of us ever have security in that, but we kind of maybe, especially in our culture, like to <laughs> feel like we can make ourselves more secure by things. And and I think when when you learn about something like this, and like for me, the experience of feeling so rattled by it, about, about rattled by it, like, oh, I don't know. 20, 30 years from now that we'll be living in the same world that we're living in right now. And um, so it really makes you kind of go back to God and say, like, God, do I really trust you to provide for me even if the world we're living in, you know, in another generation is pretty different, yeah. mm. you know? Um, can I still trust God to be mm. good mm. and God to be faithful to his promises mm. that he will never leave us and mm. forsake us? And he can provide for all of our needs, whatever those needs are at the time. And he knows what those needs are going to be, even if I don't know what those will be. Oh, man, preach. I, yeah, I'm totally. feeling that on a, on a deep level, even just not related to, to climate, man. So much has changed over the last three years. I mean, climate stuff is certainly a part of that. But in everything happening in our world, um, man, if in 2019, many of us thought we had some semblance of control over what was happening in the world, yeah. fast forward to mm -hmm. now, and it's just like... I've had to deal with that in my own life and my own spiritual journey of like, all right, I don't have nearly as much control over things or my kids or my family yeah. as I thought I did or what's happening in the world around me. And so that makes you go to a different place with, with God when I, when you come to that realization. So I appreciate that. Hannah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I was thinking about when you were talking about what this world is right now and what it's going to be, it reminded me of, um, so I, a little over a year ago, my family and I, we took a, a, 16 day road trip. We hit like seven national parks. We had like almost 6,000 miles on our car of just taking, going through, heading out West. And, um, it had been a long time since I had been out West. And, um, but last summer, if you can remember, there was a lot of fires. Right. Um, and I remember, um, being really excited that we were going to be able to show our kids, the mountains and just show them all these beautiful things that they had never seen before. And I remember feeling a little bit disappointed because I'm like, man, this isn't, I mean, this is great, but it's not as majestic as I expect. Like you can't really see, like you can't, you know, it, mm. everything was really hazy and, and we're driving by, you know, these different like, um, rivers and different places. And you're like, yeah, these are dried up actually. And so, you know, you're going at one point we're, we're near death Valley and 
which is obviously always hot, but it was something like 123 degrees. I don't know, ridiculous. And even people were like, this is hotter than normal, you know? And so I just remember feeling like, I mean, astounded by what I was seeing in God's creation and also just like feeling a little bit sad that I don't know if my kids will ever be able to experience the West yeah. that I experienced maybe 20 years ago. But so as you think about that, you, you know, you feel so small of like, what can I do? What, like this, these problems seem so big. What, what can I do? So I, I'd be curious, how do you guys, as you think about that, um, that's not you guys, you know, so whether big or small, what are some of the things that your family has chosen um, to practice, to engage in as, as it relates to being good stewards of God's creation? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you say it. It feels <laughs> overwhelming because it certainly does. We feel that a lot of the time. And that can sometimes drive you to being it's too big. You throw up your hands. You say, I'm not even going to try, you know. Um, I don't think that as Christ followers, that's the response we're called to in any area, not mm. just creation care, but I mean, justice problems can feel that way too. Mm. You know, I talk to anybody who works, um, you know, and trying to adjust and uh, trying to address like a justice issue. I think they all feel that way, that, that it's a huge problem and everything we do feels like a drop in the bucket of how big the problem is sometimes, you know, but I think that as Christ followers, as people of hope, we're not throw up your hands people, right? Mm. We're people who want to be faithful stewards of our patch of ground and we want to be we want to like bear witness to people around us of what does it look like to live faithfully even in a world that's so broken and so um so I think for us that's kind of we know that with any of the decisions our family individually makes we're not going to solve the climate crisis <laughs> you know <laughs> we're not going to save the world uh even if you know Tons and tons of people started living, you know, making the exact same choices as we're making. That wouldn't save the world. Um, but we do think that um, that God is going to save the world mm-hmm. <laughs> in his way at his time. And in the meanwhile, it's our calling t- as his disciples, as disciples of Jesus, to live with integrity. Um, honey, you said that thing about integrity. Would you share? I just thought that was really sure. cool yeah, what you said about what integrity that is. It, living with integrity means to... Uh, to be not necessarily living with uh, perfection, but just wrestling with these things faithfully, Hmm. you know, so not that we would have them figured out because I think, especially as it relates to environmental stewardship, you really can always be doing more. And so uh, I think focusing on what's, what's ours to own or what's, what sphere of influence do we have? And then doing what we can with that is, is a helpful way to focus. So So maybe we can just to get a little practical about what that looks like for us. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, maybe a general theme of this is trying to make choices to live more simply and kind of like go a little anti-materialistic if we can. I think that's a really countercultural thing that we can do because materialism is so prevalent in our culture is to try to live more simply. Obviously, that's a sliding scale. Like Will said, you can always kind of be hard on yourself for ways you're not doing it well enough. But um but we're trying to make some changes in that direction, kind of based on the belief that having more stuff and more comfort doesn't necessarily make for a better life like our society tells us it does. Mm. So for us, the ways that it plays out really tangibly um, in our family, we try to be really aware of like energy and resource conservation. So try to use less water. We try to use less electricity where we go pretty easy on the heat and the air conditioning. Um, we've got solar panels, panels on our roof that we installed a few years ago. Mm. Um, we also try to be intentional about what we eat. We try to not waste food as much as possible, and we eat meat pretty sparingly at our house. Um, 
We try to reduce our waste and our use of plastic because that stuff doesn't biodegrade for like thousands of years. So we, <laughs> again, we're not perfect at all in that regard, but we're just trying to reduce it and be moving in the right direction. Um, we compost. We have a compost bin in our backyard. Um, we tend to buy a lot of our clothes secondhand at Goodwill, which is actually like a hobby of mine. So I really don't <laughs> mind that. It's pretty fun. So I think in terms of our individual decisions, it's some of those types of things. But um, we're also grateful that we live in a country where we have an opportunity to influence the systems and the um, governments that we're a part of. So for us, um, environmental issues do influence how we vote. Mm. And uh, we also have often contacted our elected officials to express our concern over these issues. And um, just to brag on my hubby, he <laughs> serves on our local uh, res uh, resource conservation commission uh, in Fitchburg. Oh, that's awesome. So that's a way that he can he's been able to kind of like speak into some local environmental issues, too. So, again, that's we're in fun. process. We're not perfect, but we're trying to do some things just to be faithful. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Love that, you guys. I'm going to put you on the spot with um, with one one more question here before we get to our final one. Um, I'm sure there are people listening or maybe that were here on Sunday that like this is all just very new to them. They're kind of skeptical about this whole climate conversation. So, um, man, Hannah, especially like you're such an integral part of helping to shepherd our congregation and that sort of thing. So but for either of you, are there any just kind of pastoral encouraging words that you would give to someone that's just kind of struggling or wrestling through like what to believe about this thing? Places to start just to learn or anything that you think would be helpful to, to say to someone that's just kind of on the fence and not sure what to do with this conversation? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, it really started with like digging into some of our science and faith seminars, seminars here at Black Hawk. I think that a lot of what you will um, read, if you just Google climate crisis or something like that, won't necessarily be grounded in a biblical or Christian worldview. Um, but gosh, if you, you know, if you look into this, the, what the Bible says about creation, there's such a strong like biblical reason that we should be caring for the creation. It's actually part of our original mandate as um, caretakers. You know, from the Garden of Eden, caretakers of God's creation, he put the man in the garden to to care for it. So um, so maybe start there. I wonder if, you know, somebody who yeah. is not quite sure about all the science or maybe sees this as a political issue and that's something that's really too bad that it's been politicized so much because it surely doesn't need to be. But um, I think there are some books that Chris recommended in his sermon mm -hmm. that are written by evangelical Christians about creation care. I forget if it's, uh, I forget the author's names right now. Maybe you have access yeah, I to think those or we can put them yeah, in the show Yeah, we can put them on the maybe shows or, or the, I think they'll be on the series resource page. So I would like encourage Catherine somebody. Hayhoe yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be a great one to start with. So that. I would love to encourage somebody to start by maybe reading one of those books that's written from a Christian perspective because... Um, because that'll really give you a biblical grounding and, and where to start with this issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also say one of the things that I actually think is uh, very encouraging about this whole issue of environmental stewardship is that I think there is actually a great potential uh, for, uh, for unity, just because I think of just the way this is intuitively something all of us care about. I think there, you won't find anybody who doesn't care about preserving the earth for whether they have kids or not, you know, just for the next generation or who doesn't care about clean air and clean water. Yeah. Uh, like Hannah said, I think it's unfortunately been politicized, but, uh, but I think everybody already possesses the, the values they need to care about this. 
And so I think it is maybe a little bit of just having some curiosity and openness to learning more about it and, um, and seeing how your own uh, values about, you know, what you uh, hope to see, you know, for the planet we live on, how, how you'd hope to um, see that realized, um, yeah. whatever that might look like. Yeah. I'm thinking about those of us who have kids as well. Um, man, just asking them some questions about how they see the world and how they see um, God's world and, and climate. And I mean, I don't know, my girls are on fire. For, to be honest, man, they care about this so deeply. And um, so just even mm-hmm. hearing them care about it, mm-hmm. I think continues to move my heart. Um, the other day I was in, in the car and we had just gone to Target or something and I had a plastic, you know, kind of used a plastic bag and my daughter's like, mom, like you really need to re- like, we need to be thinking about this. And you know, I'm like, well, I have reusable bags. I just forgot. And I was like, it's okay. And she's like, it's not okay. <laughs> and she like bursts into tears and she's Aww. like, why don't you care about this? And I'm like, okay, I do. I actually really do. I was just kind of being flippant, you know? Mm. Um, but I, I said, why do you care about it? And just her heart for just wanting, um, yeah, just wanting a world in which people flourish and in mm. which people have enough. And um, just she's talking about um, just how she sees God in creation and how how important it is. And it was beautiful. It was actually quite beautiful. And so wow. um, thinking about those who are skeptical, man, just talking to people younger than you and asking them what it means to them. It's, it's moving. Yeah. yeah. I, that reminds me too. I think one thing that's really helpful if, if this is an issue that we maybe already care about, but we are close with people who, who maybe are ambivalent about it or, uh, you know, opposed to, to some of the um, things we might want to see happen. Uh, I think asking questions is, is the way to mm-hmm. go because I think when, when we feel like we, we need to bombard people with information and facts, Mm. we don't build bridges mm-hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't end up helping yeah. Yeah. either side it hurts the relationship and it it doesn't actually change anybody's mind mm-hmm. so i think leading with questions mm-hmm. and asking people what they do value mm-hmm. and you know what matters to them yeah. is a much better way to yeah. to um, mm. make some inroads that's great you guys yeah i love yeah love those questions you're asking your kids tiff and um yeah those recommendations so i I mean just choose something and begin to begin to learn begin to have um just an open heart and open hands about about the topic and what god says about it um one of the things that chris mentioned on sunday this happened a couple days ago now at this point was that he invited everyone to come to his faith and science class where actually um the professor Hannah that you mentioned, Dr. Rick Lindroth, was going to be talking on this topic. And so um, I believe we actually recorded that, yeah. right, Tiff? You want yes. to tell us a so little did, bit about, yeah. about that and just what he's talking about? Yeah, totally. So he is just really going to talk about his years of research, um, climate change, and um, being able to bring that from a biblical perspective um, with this, his science kind of hat onto him and Chris will we'll, we'll have a conversation. Um, so we're going to drop that here um, probably in the next day yeah, or two. The next so, days or yeah, yeah. So, so be on the lookout for that. We were able to, to record that and excited to be able to share that with our entire community. Yeah. Um, also, I think something that Chris mentioned on Sunday, uh, Upper House is having an event November 17th, 7 p.m. called Creation Care, Climate Change and Healthy Discourse in Christian Communities. And oh, man, I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be a great event. So um, you can get on the Upper House's webpage, register for that. If that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, that's a great, like, easy next step to continue to learn and to understand um, some more of this conversation as well as how to have this conversation well. Um, Mm. So 
Yeah. Be good. That's great. Um, all right. I think we'll wrap up with this kind of our, our final question to you guys. Um, Will and Hannah, are there, are there spiritual practices or things that have helped keep you guys centered and hopeful in the midst of engaging in these hard and complicated topics? You've talked about really how, man, this is taking you to deep places with, with God. And, um, it's really, I think a battle at times in the midst of some of these really heavy things to maintain hope and joy and things like that. So, yeah, are there any practices or passages or anything like that that have um, that have helped helped you guys do that? I really love that when Jesus was teaching people about worry and and telling people not to worry, that he connected it to uh, the practice of observing nature. Mm. And so, you know, he said, you know, observe the the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And uh, just you know, see how the the birds are taken care of. They don't you know, worry about getting everything they need. God takes care of them. He gives them what they need when they need it. And uh, if you look at the beauty of the flowers, uh, likewise, you know, the, uh, just the, I guess God's ability to, to make things beautiful on their own, apart from our like striving to achieve it mm. is, uh, I think something that is, uh, very instructive mm. for us. So, uh, I think, especially because worry is so tied to this issue, as we've talked about, uh, I have found that to be so true for myself that if I just spend time in nature and especially observe nature, like whether it's looking at the stars or, you know, looking at the the smallest flower, even a dandelion, just the intricacy of, of the way that God has designed creation, it's, um, it's just amazing. And so I have found that for me, time in nature really brings me to a place of awe and reverence, just really... Uh, being uh, just floored by how, uh, again, just how beautiful and uh, amazing this world uh, that we live in uh, really is. Uh, and then I think on, on the other side of that as well, like gratitude, I feel a, a lot of gratitude mm. when I'm in nature, just because uh, I feel like, wow, just to be able to be on the receiving end of so many good gifts. And these aren't things that we we don't buy these experiences, you know, of of going for a walk in the arb or something. It's uh, just something that's freely given. And so uh, so I have found that to be uh, very helpful for me, time in nature. I know if I'm feeling especially like grouchy or irritated or anxious or <laughs> yeah. down or whatever it is, if I spend time in nature, it might not like fix the problem, but it sets me right. It yeah. kind of like moves me towards a better version of myself. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, I just, I, I think... There's there's so much uh, good things that we can take in uh, from being in nature. I, I really love uh, in in the book Confessions by uh, Saint Augustine. He says that all of creation says the same thing. It says that we didn't make ourselves; God made us. Mm. And so I, I think that's really um, a mm. uh, just something we come away with. Like when we're in nature, we come away with these truths uh, that that are revealed to us, and and sometimes like conscious ways, but even like subliminal ways, we learn things about what's true about reality when we're in nature. Yeah. Mm, love that. Um, I don't know if you want to include this on the final podcast, but I feel like you should talk about the 
thing that um what is oh, it, the, the things that the trees sides? release when you're oh yeah that's right yeah will was telling me last night he was like he was like maybe i'll mention fighting sides and i'm like yeah. what wait what fighting <laughs> sides like yeah. taking sides and fighting he's like no fighting sides haven't you heard about this yeah like, so no. this is so this is a thing this is a fun fact about creation okay <laughs> so when you're in the woods it's actually a it boosts your immune system and there's probably several reasons for it. But one of the reasons why physically it's healthy for your body is because trees give off these chemicals called phytoncides. Mm. And so uh, these are naturally produced by trees as a way to fight diseases and insects and um, fungus and different things like that. So anyway, they have a similar effect for us when we breathe them in and we spend time in a forest surrounded by trees. It, it has a, a boost to our immune system. So, mm. yeah. So, I mean, and I think there's a lot of other reasons too, right? When you're in the yeah, woods, you just, right. it's, sure. yeah. it's uh, you're relaxed, you breathe deeper. So, uh, but yeah, there's all kinds of ways I think that nature mm. is good for us physically, emotionally, spiritually. And God's designed it that what way. Gift? As part of his I was going to say, right? what a yeah. gift yeah. from God. He's so smart. Yeah. 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 <laughs> generous. Mm. I'm so generous, right? So do you guys like, when you're like grouchy with each other, you're like, honey, you might need to go outside go and outside. get some of those fighting sides. <laughs> yeah. oh, whatever they are, right? Yeah. Can we buy some fighting sides from Costco? <laughs> yeah. like, Just like a, a fighting sides candle or something. No, I love that. What about you, Hannah? Anything that's been helpful? Yeah, well, I guess it's, maybe sort of the same type of thing. Our family will do it together, right? Like on Saturday, we've been trying to be more intentional about making Saturday a day of rest and Sabbath for our family. So a lot of that will often be um, taking a walk, getting somewhere like the Arboretum here in town or just somewhere where there is trees and hiking paths and we'll, um, and we'll you know, we'll take a, we'll take a um, hike together. <laughs> it's amazing how even if the kids have like been grouchy and arguing, we'll get them on the hike and then all of a sudden they'll be like playing and they'll be in such better moods. <laughs> so, but um, I think for us, just remembering that nature is like a gift from God mm-hmm. to us that's mm-hmm. freely and abundantly given. And we want to help our kids view it that way as well. So mm-hmm. we'll do that as a family fairly regularly. Um, yeah, I think for me being out in nature, it's interesting. I went to a um, like a kind of like a prayer service a uh, little over a week ago and the person leading it just brought a bag of leaves and handed out a leaf to each one of us to hold throughout the prayer service which I thought was a little like <laughs> like I'd never seen anybody do that before like here hold this leaf during the service but it was amazing to me how and and they just encouraged us like feel free to hold this or look at it or just whatever you feel led or drawn to do with it is fine you know and I was like during this prayer service I was just like looking at the leaf and contemplating the leaf and like God's design of the leaf and like mm-hmm. how bendy it was or like that's an interesting color pattern. And just as I like mm-hmm. looked at this leaf, which mm-hmm. literally can go outside on the ground and pick up a leaf anywhere. <laughs> it was just like this little reminder of like God's intentional design. Um, I think another thing I I recognize about God whenever I get out in nature is just God's abundance, which has meant a lot to me these past few years, because if you get into the environmentalist conservation thing and, you know, if you get into the climate crisis, you can start to get in a real scarcity fear mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're like, there's not enough to go around. There isn't enough. I'm taking up too much space. I'm using too many resources or, you know, you can sometimes start to go to that place. But whenever I spend time in nature and I see, oh my goodness, how many seeds did that tree just drop? Or like, here's a field of wildflowers and like how many I can't even count how many Mm -hmm. flowers in this Mm -hmm. one field and it just reminds me that God is not a God of scarcity Mm -hmm. 
God is a God of abundance. Like he's better than we can imagine. He's able to provide everything we need and just richly. Like, like the Bible talks about God's glorious riches. So we really don't need to live with a scarcity mindset. And I think that being in nature um, is a practice that helps remind me of that. And also just reading the scriptures and being reminded that, like, I don't know, God is powerful. You know, God is the God of yeah. all of history. Yeah. And um, the more that we praise him and adore him and remember the facts that God tells us about who he is, we really do not have anything to fear. Mm. Um, because if we're with him and in him, he's able to supply all of our needs. So I think, yeah, being in nature, being in scripture, being in those two books, right, mm -hmm. um, does a lot for me. Yeah. So. I love that. Um, yeah, even as our, our worship director, I've known Hannah for a long time going back to college, but um, she doesn't just worship when she gets up on the platform, mm -hmm. right? Like in th those few songs that we sing on a Sunday morning, but even how nature, uh, just even hearing you talk helps you to, to worship and experience God. And there's a lot of other ways you do that as well. But um, yeah, love hearing from both of you, how that's been meaningful to your family and, and how it leads to worship and gratitude and all those kinds of things. Um, any last words or anything you guys want to send us out with before we, we wrap things up? Um, yeah, I think there was a, a psalm that we we're yeah. thinking maybe we could just um, read as a way to close. This is a scripture passage that I think has been meaningful to both Will and me um, in this past few years. And I think it it can apply a lot to, uh, to the environment and things that are happening in the environment and maybe the posture that God would call us to have amidst that. So this is... These are some excerpts from um, Psalm 46, and I'll just uh, read it over us here. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God says, be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Amen. All right, Will and Hannah, thanks so much for yeah sharing a little bit about your story and, and your family and all that kind of stuff. Really appreciate it, you guys. Thank you. Thanks, thanks so much thanks for having us. Much.